Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Let's say a word of prayer. God, we love you. We ask you continue to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would take the preparation that I've put into this sermon and use it for your glory. If there's stuff that I put in there that doesn't need to be there, please take it out. And if there's stuff that I should have put in, put it in. Most of all, Lord, I pray that you would be with each person that's listening. Open their mind to hear what you want to say to them. We pray in your name. Amen. So I bet you some of you didn't know I grew up in Jerusalem. <laughs> A few of you are like, yeah, I uh, don't remember that part of your story. Uh, what I really mean, it's, it's metaphorical. And uh, I had somebody, I, I was not clear about this enough during first service Somebody walked up to me and was like, oh, I grew up in Jerusalem too. I didn't really grow up in Jerusalem. This is a metaphor. I grew up inside of a Christian bubble. Okay, and, and so I'm going to use Jerusalem as a metaphor for a Christian bubble. I specifically grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Christian bubble. That's the bubble that I grew up in. What do I mean by that? Well, as Christians, we've kind of feared out that we can build hospitals that our babies can be born in, and then we can build uh, schools that our kids can go to, or we can homeschool them, and we can do that all the way through college, master's degrees, PhDs, and then we can go work for a Christian organization and we can then go live in a Christian nursing home and then we can be buried in a Christian cemetery. You know what I'm saying, right? Some communities have it figured out. You don't even have to walk a block. You can do all of that in, in a very small space, right? And I grew up in Jerusalem. I grew up in a Christian bubble. And I don't, now, now what I want to be clear about, somebody else came up to me afterwards and said, that sounds like you're being critical of it. I, I, that's not all bad. It's made you who you are. And I say, yes, you're right. I don't think, don't hear me wrong. Jerusalem is a wonderful place. It's where the temple's at, right? It's, there's a lot of good things about Jerusalem. So I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying it's a bubble. It's a bubble. And that's what I grew up in. I, I was born into a Christian family. I went to Christian Seventh-day Adventist schools from the big moment I was eligible to go to school until I graduated from college. And when I graduated from college, I went and worked for a Christian Seventh-day Adventist organization. And then these people burst my bubble. After I got done working for that first two years of my career for a Christian organization, I went to work for Sorensen Pacific Broadcasting, decidedly not a Christian organization. Uh, Sorensen Pacific 
is a uh, radio conglomerate. At that time, they owned three radio stations. One was a top 40 station. That was their flagship um, kind of uh, uh, station. Then they had a classic rock station. And then they had a news talk radio station. And I, in my mind, thought I was going to be working for the news talk people doing news. Um, and what it turned out was I was doing news for all three as a part of the news team. And I learned a lot about life very quickly. I'd like to tell you about this amazing cast of characters. This is just a small fraction of the cool people that I worked with, but I want to introduce you to a couple of them and tell you a little bit about this environment I found. The first person to welcome me, really, or at least the one that really sticks out in my mind, is uh, Rick Nalta. He's the, the nice, fine-looking gentleman right here on my left, your right bottom there. Rick was the morning drive guy on the Top 40 station. And my first day in the station, I was doing the morning drive time, which is usually 6 to 10 in the morning, 6 a.m. to 10. And I remember getting there about 5.30, getting prepped. And uh, the, the person doing news that day was training me. And she got on to do, I think, the first uh, news update of the morning with Rick. She did it. At the end of most radio news, especially on a top 40 station, you're going to throw a story called a kicker at the end of your newscast. It's usually meant to be a funny, light story that gives the, the uh, DJ the opportunity to banter with you if he wants to or she wants to. If they don't want to, they'll just go, start, go right into music, but it gives them the chance to interact if they want to. So Alicia had a very fine kicker that day, and Rick was completely uninterested in it. He swatted that thing out of the way and goes, hey, I see there's a new guy. And Alicia goes, yeah, he's cute, isn't he? And I was like already beginning to feel uncomfortable. You can't say that about me. I mean, I mean I'm not against being cute, but I mean, I am married. I mean, so, and uh, uh, Alicia says, yeah, he's kind of cute, isn't he? And Rick said, oh, yeah, he's very cute. What's his name? And I want you to know, I just, I, this is my first moment out of the bubble. I don't, I don't know what's happening. And Rick says, what's his name? And Alicia said, it's Ken. He goes, that's not good enough. I'm going to call him Ken with the luscious lips. I would love to tell you the rest of the story, but I can't in church. I can't. There, I know some of you are shocked, but this, I found out later that there was a betting pool on how long the new Christian guy was going to last. Nobody had me at more than a week, and most people had me at minutes, and Rick was doing his part to win his bet. I love Rick. We're friends to this day. He's fabulous. Um, then there's Chuck Nasty. He's the guy in the upper, my upper right, right here, holding the small beer. Um, and um, I don't know what his last name is. Chuck Nasty. That's his name. Um, Chuck did everything. There's some people who have an on-air persona, and they're nothing like that in real life. Chuck lived his name. He was, he was what we wish Christians were. <laughs> 24-7, he was about Chuck Nasty. Um, and uh, Chuck taught me 
something fascinating. He said, who you are will come across the airwaves. And he used to request me to do news on his station, even though that's another story. Um, he's the one who actually helped me get my famous on Guam tag outline for my news. Ask me that story sometime when you have me one-on-one. -on -one. It's a fun one. But he taught me that, he said, people like listening to you. And I said, how do you even, I mean, they like you. I said, well, I don't even understand. He goes, why? He goes, no, no, people can, people sense niceness even across the radio. I was like, okay. Um, but that was Chuck. He taught me about that. The guy below him is, is Mike with three letters, M-Y-K. That's actually the way he, he did the afternoon drive on the news talk station. And Mike taught me that it's possible to maintain a very pleasant sounding voice on the radio while still violently making obscene gestures at a person who's annoyed you. Um, because uh, I remember one newscast where things didn't go the way he wanted them to, and he threw the full stack of prep paper at the window that we were sitting behind and did some other things that I can't talk about here. And, um, but the whole time modulated his voice. It sounded just like this. It sounded so pleasant, so help, happy. And, and Mike was a brilliant, he's a brilliant comedian. He's a stand-up comedian. That's what he's doing today, I do believe. Um, and even though I told you a story that doesn't probably sound nice, I love the guy. He was a nice guy in many ways, most of the time. Um, and, uh, but the people that probably had uh, the most impact on me are John Anderson and Mana, who uh, is uh, standing beside John, uh, right in the middle. Um, John is a broadcasting legend on Guam. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple years ago. And, uh, but John gave me the opportunity to interview with Mana. And John gave me a chance when I wasn't getting a chance really anywhere else. And I'll never forget... Um, he, was, he cared about me, and this is not going to sound like he did, but he, on one occasion, I, um, we have what we call bumper music. Um, and so basically, when the newscast is supposed to be wrapping up, they'll, they'll pop a little uh, soundtrack on the bottom of it. We call it bumper music. And that tells you, usually it's about 30 seconds line. That's, you got about that amount of time to wrap up your newscast. Well, the bumper music came on on this particular newscast, and I had just was just starting a, a story, and I knew I had it, so I wrapped it in one, I, I did like one sentence and said, you know, for more news, whatever. So I tagged out, turned off my mic, and the phone next to the desk started blowing up. It, 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 they don't ring in a news station, they, there's light, and so there's light starts. So I pick it up, and John Anderson's voice, legendary broadcasting voice, booms to my phone. Who, what, when, where, why? And I was like, okay, John, I know the W's of journalism. He's like, no, you don't, because you didn't use them. And I was like, John, my bumper music was coming on, so I had to get, don't do the story if you're not going to do it right. He taught me an important lesson, and he loved me and cared about me. Sometimes you can say hard things to people in a not nice way, and they learn something from it. It'd be nice, but it was, it was a lesson to me. It was a different world. I'd always grown up in a world where, you know, we're Christians, so we're nice to each other. Uh, this world was like, hey, get your stuff together or ship out one or the other. Figure it out. Figure it out. So that was John. Mana, love Mana. She was my boss. She was the news director, and she treated me like a little brother. I mean, she took such good care of me. And one of the things that will always stick with me was that Mana... Mana called me an idiot. Um, 
because I got a phone call from the local uh, television news station asking me to interview, and I said no because I'd only been with them for eight months, and they'd given me a job when I couldn't find a job anywhere else. And so I told my, I said, you're not going to believe who called. They called and asked me to come interview, and she said, what did you say? I said, I told them no because I'm loyal to you guys. You gave me a job. And she's like, you're an idiot. She goes, Ken, you'll never get this kind of opportunity anywhere else. After eight months of working for us, you're being asked to go do television news. She said, you owe it to your wife and to your family. Eight bucks an hour does not buy loyalty. And even if you're being paid more, you've got to think about what's best for your career because I can promise you Sorensen Pacific is thinking about what's best for them. Man, I was... It was one of the rare times in my life where I've had a boss that cared more about what was good for me than what was good for them because I did take that job and it meant she had to train in somebody new. Probably that's a life lesson I've taken with me as a boss. You need to care more about the people that you're working for than about how it's going to impact you. You need to care about that. And she taught me that. Learned a lot coming out of that bubble. Learned a lot. And like I said, that bubble is a reference that I'm talking about Jerusalem today, coming out of, follow me out of Jerusalem. But let's talk about going into Jerusalem. There were three festivals, three festivals that in Jesus' time, a good Jewish observant person was required to go to in Jerusalem. The first one was the Passover. If you're a Christian or um, you may have heard of this, this is the, the festival at which Jesus wound up getting crucified at the Passover, but this is when they would take the Passover lamb and they would eat it. And it was a, a symbol of being freed from, uh, from slavery in Egypt. And that was what the Passover was. The second festival came exactly 50 days after Passover. And this one was known as Shavuot. Shavuot was the uh, festival of first fruits. Um, it, was, um, it was also called the Feast of Weeks. Why? Because it comes seven weeks after Passover. And so, and so this one celebrated the, the, uh, the, first, the first fruit being harvested. It also is a celebration of Moses receiving the Torah uh, on Mount Sinai. So that was the, the second festival that good observant Jewish people were expected in Jesus' time to go to Jerusalem and observe. And the final one was called... Um, uh, Sukkot. Sukkot is a, um, was basically the, the feast of the harvest, and it was also called the Feast of Booze. Why? Because this one celebrated that the Israelites had had to live in uh, tents um, for 40 years in the desert while they went on that 40-year camping trip right out of Egypt, and so this was the celebration of that. So this particular one, though, had an interesting thing to it. Uh, if, you rem if you don't know the story of, of the Israelites going through the wilderness before God allows them to come into the promised land, one of the features of that, one of the many things that happened was that they, they came up missing water occasionally. They needed water. And so on a number of different occasions, God miraculously provides water out of a rock and out of various, uh, turns bitter water into, into drinkable water. And so as a celebration of that, in Jesus' time, one of the things that the priests would do during this celebration it was eight days long, and for seven days, the priest would get a golden vessel, and in a big parade and ceremony, the priest would walk from the temple down to the pool of Siloam, and the priest would dip the pitcher into the water, pulling water out, and then carry that pitcher all the way back to the temple, where the priest would then 
pour the water at the base of the altar. And there are scholars that believe that that they may have read this verse from Ezekiel. Uh, after they did this water ceremony. They did this for seven, one day, for seven days. On the seventh day, they actually did it seven times on the seventh day. And, and so they, they, there's a belief that maybe this scripture from Ezekiel is read. And I'm just actually have put some excerpts because it's a little bit longer and I wanted to short it down for you. But here's what they may have read after that water was poured at the base of the altar. Ezekiel speaking, in my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. So out from where the altar is underneath the door. And, uh, and then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the, uh, the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever they go. Think about how much water would have to flow out to take the Dead Sea and wash the salt out of it to where you can actually have life. Think about that. And so wherever the water of this river flows, fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever the water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. By the way, if you go to Revelation, you will find a story there that looks very similar to the one right here. And so there is a tree. So what is the point of this? Basically, this water is flowing out of Jerusalem and going out into a desert land. And wherever this water flows, life appears. And John records that on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood. So imagine this, the the, the priest has just got done walking from Siloam. He pours the water at the base of the thing. He repeats the scripture I just read to you. And then Jesus interrupts the service and shouts, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And by the way, that translation is doing good. That word heart is not illegitimate, but it's not perfect because the literal word in the original language, if you were to translate that word literally, it would say rivers of living water will flow from his womb. It changes things a little, doesn't it? Because the womb is where life comes from. From his innermost being, from his womb. Rivers of living water. It's a picture of life. Jesus is saying life flows out of me. And when you were reading Ezekiel and you heard about water flowing out of here and flooding the world, guess what? 
come to me and that's what I'm going to do for you. And there's another scripture that was also tied with this found in the book of Zechariah. And on that day, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the Eastern Sea and the other half toward the Western Sea and it will be in summer as it is in the winter. You see, Jesus said, life is going to flow out of me in Jerusalem and it's going to flow out into a dead world and it is going to bring life wherever it flows. Remember, I told you there are three festivals This festival, Jesus stands up and says, I'm that water that's flowing out of the temple. But you know what? It's my followers that are that water. And on the Passover, Jesus, the Passover lamb, died. And then 50 days later at Pentecost, which by the way, the name Pentecost was the Greek name that the Jews used for their Third festival, that, that, that third festival that I have left out that I talked about, the Feast of First Fruits. Remember that one that comes 50 day Pentecost. That's what the Greeks called that Jewish celebration. We think as Christians that Christians invented Pentecost. We didn't. The disciples were celebrating Pentecost when living water in the form of flames of fire came on top of them. And what did they do? They took tongues. They learned how to speak in different languages. And what did they do? They flooded a dead world. Family. There's nothing wrong with the bubble unless you stay in it. Yes, be nourished in the bubble. Yes. But guess what? When you look at Matthew 28... When you talk about what Christians call the Great Commission, this commission from Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing water. Ah, see it, water. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, these new disciples, to obey all the commands I've given you. Love as you've been loved. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And I am with you always until the end of the age. You see, family, we've been called to move out of the bubble. There is nothing wrong with coming to church and enjoying an amazing service. But if you think the point of whole life is to provide hydration just to you, you're missing the other half of the blessing. You're missing the point where you get to flow out of Jerusalem And go and water a thirsty, dry, arid, desert world that needs a little bit of love from Christians and a little less doctrinal preaching and a little bit more love in Jesus. That's what this world needs. We were meant to come out of the bubble. We were meant to flow out of Jerusalem into the world. You know, family, I got to tell you, I worked at, at, at Sorensen Pacific for eight months and being just fresh out of the bubble, I knew it was my duty to, to share my faith and I, I did as I could. But I'll tell you, after eight months, I was, I didn't think I made any difference whatsoever. People politely listened and smiled and that was what happened. And what amazed me though was several years later, I received an email from one of the colleagues that you saw on the screen. And that colleague wrote and said, Ken, 
um, while you were working here, you went through some really difficult things. And I remember at the time being really amazed and wondering how you had peace through all those experiences. And I kind of knew it had to do with your religious life. But just recently, I went through something that made me feel like I needed peace. And I remembered that you seemed to have it. And so I knew that you had found it in a church somewhere. So I went to a church somewhere. And I want you to know I am now your sibling in Christ. Let me tell you something, family. That's what water does. That wasn't me. That was Jesus just flowing through me because I wanted to love Jesus as imperfectly as I do it. And family, it is the reason why every week I get up front and say what I say at the end. We love you here because we want you to leave here and love the desert world that needs Jesus flowing through it and fulfill the scriptures of Ezekiel and Zechariah and John and Revelation, where we don't just wait for the kingdom to come, but we bring the kingdom now in a desert world. Now is the time of the service where we get to respond to the sermon and you can join us by going to wholelife.church live. And I've already been told I only have time for one question. So, but you can still put your questions into the chat because we save them. You can also email podcasts at wholelife.church where we answer them there. So we've got four or five questions in already. I'm going to combine them into one because I only get one. I'm just kidding. Um, I wish I could combine them all, but... Um, the overarching question would be, um, I'll ask it in Jeff's words here, it, which is how do we keep a balance of going out into the world and making disciples for Christ and the idea of beholding what we, uh, what we become change without changing yeah. who we are? Um, it's, it's by being a part of the body of Christ. It's why we have small groups at Whole Life. It's why we have uh, Sabbath schools. It's why we have church. By coming in and being a part of the family of God, you're refreshed and ready to go out back into the world and live your faith. Um, and that's what, why it's so important to not give up the assembly of the believers. Um, because getting together is what sharp, iron sharpens iron. And so when we get together, um, it, it creates... Um, accountability. It creates a sense of purpose. And so that's, that's what I, I think, you know, the purpose of church isn't to, to hang out with like-minded people so you can continue to hang out with like-minded people. The purpose of church is for encouragement to go back out into a world that can be hostile at times, but also a world that, that just doesn't really get Christians because we don't do a particularly great job of being water to nourish. We tend to be more the fire that destroys a lot of times. Mm. Um, and, and so we need to go out into the world and we need to bring nourishment and not everybody is looking for a relationship with Jesus right now, but there may be somebody who's looking to understand how to get their blood pressure under control. And that's the, the next step in their walk with God that needs to get figured out before they can take the step that we maybe think that they ought to be taking. And so if we look at it, at each person as an individual child of God that is working towards wholeness, we can help them on that journey and be a part of that journey. And sometimes, by the way, and I shouldn't say sometimes, I have never done a set of Bible studies with anybody. I have never interacted with somebody who didn't make me grow as a human being and make me a better person. So I think that sometimes we got this idea of I'm going to go out and I'm going to make you a better person, but you have nothing to share back with me. That's not true. By going out 
the, the, those people that I showed you up on the screen, did you notice how I, every single one of them taught me something, made me grow as a person. Um, and uh, to this day, I love those people. Like uh, preparing the sermon, um, I spent way too much time telling you about them because I just love them. They're awesome people. Awesome people. So because we're out of time, I can only tease the next one. But I would say that this, is, uh, this one comes from T. Cinco. Um, I think you can figure out who that is. Um, but um, it's something that I, I related to growing up because I grew up in the bubble as well of uh, going to an Adventist school and only knowing Adventists. And we kind of had outside the bubble was public school. And we kind of built it up as this maybe fantasy world of like, well, if I was in public school, I'd say this, or if I was in public school, I'd, I'd punch you or something like that. You know, it's what we thought. Public school is this crazy other world. So Tammy asked this, this uh, question of, uh, do we do a disservice to ourselves and our children by portraying the world as anything outside of our own bubble as something that is evil to avoid? And that's something for the podcast. Uh, so don't answer it now. It's a good one. Have to talk um, about it then. Yeah, so uh, now I actually have a, another bonus question because next week is the Great Question series. And so, Ken, now you this get to see... This is the one where you all got to pick the questions right. that I have to preach on. I don't get to find out till today yep. what I'm going to have to preach on next week. So That's right. So almost as much preparation as usual, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, no. <laughs> Just kidding, no. This guy prepares, trust me. Um, so... All right, so let's check it out. We have a video with Melanie uh, asking the question. Hey, Ken. So here we are at the beginning of our Great Questions series, the moment that you have been waiting for, so you can find out what you're going to preach on next week. We actually did get a lot of great questions, and it was really hard to choose, so I combined some of them. So here's your question number one. In the Gospels, when Jesus healed people, he often said, your faith has healed you. What does that mean exactly, your faith has healed you? If I'm not healed, does that mean that I don't have enough faith, or does faith mean something else? Why don't we see miracles like the ones that are recorded in the Bible? And I've got about six days to go. Okay, all right, so good question. In fact, some might say, great question. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be together as a family. Thank you for this bubble. Thank you for the nourishment that we receive in Jerusalem. But Lord, help us not to just leave it here. Help us to go to the ends of the earth and bring hydration in your Holy Spirit to those who know they're missing something but just don't know what it is. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, my family, you know I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. 
all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.